Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. We start off this episode with our monthly roundup of prison disturbances, as compiled by Perilous Chronicle. On Sunday, April 30th, two prisoners escaped Piedmont Regional Jail in Farmville, Virginia. The two prisoners escaped within 22 hours apart, but both escaped by allegedly manipulating a locking mechanism on the rear exit door. One prisoner was recaptured on Thursday, May 4th in Mexico. The second prisoner was recaptured at Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia on Monday, May 8th. In response to the escape, the U.S. Marshals Service is temporarily reducing its federal prisoner population at the Piedmont Regional Jail following the escape of two federal prisoners. Two detainees at the Fremont County Detention Center bolted while taking out the trash, jumped a fence, and escaped the facility. The two men had been assigned as trustees of the facility and therefore had more privileges and freedom than other detainees. The pair was caught just hours later at an apartment complex one block away from the jail. Two men escaped from the Star Justice Center in Southern Ohio, May 6th. One of the men was arrested shortly thereafter, but the other was captured three days later, more than 100 miles away in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Two detainees escaped from the Philadelphia Industrial Correctional Center in Pennsylvania on Sunday, May 7th. The duo escaped by cutting a hole in the fence and using a ladder, according to prison authorities. One of the prisoners was arrested on Wednesday, May 10th. The other prisoner remained free for 10 days until being recaptured by the U.S. Marshals on Wednesday, May 17th. Several other prisoners and non-prisoners now face charges for their alleged roles in assisting the escape. Three detainees held at the Paz Correctional Center escaped the facility on May 8th after they bolted, according to authorities, who did not give additional information on their escape. One of the detainees was recaptured less than two hours later. The other two, who were in their late teens and early 20s, were captured less than 48 hours later after an emergency response team was brought in and authorities conducted patrols using drones and police dogs. On Tuesday, May 16th, two prisoners at the Minnesota Department of Corrections Stillwater Prison escaped by walking away at approximately 9 p.m. Both prisoners were recaptured by law enforcement within the hour after being seen walking by police. Both prisoners face a one-count charge of escape from custody. Two teenage prisoners escaped from Acadiana Center for Youth, a prison for children in St. Martinville, Louisiana, on May 17th. The 16- and 17-year-old pair were recaptured separately the day after their escape. On Friday, May 19th, at around 10.15 p.m., two prisoners escaped from the McGehee City Jail in McGehee, Arkansas. One prisoner was recaptured shortly after and brought back to the jail, but escaped again by overpowering a jailer, taking her keys and stealing her car. The other prisoner was recaptured the next morning. The prisoner who escaped twice was recaptured on Monday, May 22nd in Dermot, Arkansas. 
Two prisoners escaped from the Allen Oakwood Correctional Institution in Lima, Ohio on Monday, May 22nd. The two prisoners were last seen on Monday morning but were not noticed to be missing by prison guards for 26 hours, according to the Allen County Sheriff. The Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections claims that the pair escaped by hiding in a dumpster. On Friday, May 26, law enforcement recaptured one of the prisoners following a car chase that ended in a crash and subsequent foot chase, while the other prisoner evaded police on foot. On Sunday, May 28, a body identified by the Henderson Police Department to be the other prisoner was found in the Ohio River. Four prison employees, three corrections officers, and a major have been placed on paid leave pending an internal investigation in the lack of adherence to department policy that delayed discovery of the escape. Juveniles at the Indian River Juvenile Correctional Facility attacked guards in three separate occasions on the week of May 8th. It is unclear what prompted the attacks and whether they are connected. Teens at Indian River launched two riots in October, taking over a housing unit and then two weeks later barricading themselves in a school building. The second disturbance, which kids live-streamed on Facebook via a state laptop, caused $265,000 in damages. On May 10th, two Oneida County Sheriff detainees escaped their captors outside the Utica court and fled on foot in orange jumpsuits into oncoming traffic. One was immediately tackled, and the other was arrested after a brief foot chase. On May 1st, two detainees at the Shallan County Regional Justice Center in eastern Washington attacked a guard with makeshift weapons. According to authorities, the pair allegedly planned the attack. The motivation or context for the attack was not provided by the authorities or local media. Seven teenage detainees ranging in age from 15 to 17 assaulted an officer and escaped from Echo Glen Children's Center in Snoqualmie, Washington, in early morning hours of Sunday, May 28th, according to the Keene County Sheriff's Office. In a press release, the Washington State Department of Children, Youth, and Family claims that the teen prisoners assaulted a guard, took her keys, and stole her car. The car was recovered empty later Sunday evening. Three of the teenage detainees have been captured while four remain free. One of the escapees had escaped this facility in January 2022 with another group of teenage prisoners. On May 29th, two detainees at the Raymond Detention Center in Mississippi breached a fence and escaped the facility on foot. Their absence was not noticed by jail staff until count the next morning. At the time of this writing, the two were still on the lam. The escape comes just four weeks after an earlier escape in which four individuals fled the same facility. On the morning of May 31st, Georgia Bureau of Investigation and Atlanta Police Department raided a house and arrested three staff members of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. The Atlanta Solidarity Fund is a nonprofit organization that supports those arrested for protesting or otherwise prosecuted for involvement in social movements. Over the last year, The fund has focused on supporting those arrested for their involvement in the national movement to stop Cop City, which opposes the construction of what would be the largest police training facility in the U.S., said to be built over an urban forest in South Atlanta and most notably featuring a mock city for urban combat training and riot control. The Solidarity Fund has posted bail and offered jail support to those arrested in relation to the movement. This week's house raid is just the most recent attack on the struggle to stop Cop City, which has experienced extreme repression by the state of Georgia this year. 
The attempt by Georgia government to attack a nonprofit providing legal support, however, is a new development in this ongoing campaign against Georgian civil rights. This is a part of a prosecutorial strategy of characterizing the entirety of Atlanta's popular Stop Cop City social movement as a terrorist organization. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp released a statement with this week's raid, promising to, quote, track down every member of a criminal organization, from violent foot soldiers to their uncaring leaders, unquote. The National Bail Fund released this statement condemning the arrest and prosecution of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. Quote, the National Bail Fund Network and its 90 local member funds, along with allied organizations across the country, strongly condemn the illegitimate and unjust persecution of Atlanta organizers upholding people's basic rights of protest and dissent. We stand in support of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, whose work freeing their neighbors and community from state repression is echoed in our daily work freeing people from jails and detention centers across the United States. Community bail funds have existed in many forms as long as the state has arrested, prosecuted, and forced people to pay money for their freedom. There are countless examples of neighbors, church groups, family members, and community organizers collectively pooling resources to pay bail because it is the most basic way for a community to respond to the state's attempt to capture and disappear those that bring light to injustice. Whether it was civil rights organizers pooling funds from friends and neighbors to free Martin Luther King Jr., to millions of people donating online during 2020 to free those arrested for protesting the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, the collective payment of the money ransom of bail is both an unfortunate norm and an essential act of compassion in the current criminal legal system. Georgia's Attorney General Chris Carr's arrest and prosecution of members of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund is an assault on the right everyone has to collectively work for the safety of their community. We strongly condemn his actions and see them for what they are, part of a coordinated right-wing attack on dissent, protest, and basic community solidarity." Unquote. In May of last year, people were arrested in a raid on the forest campsites, and some were charged with domestic terrorism. The Solidarity Fund held a press conference on May 17th, shortly after the raid. The first voice you'll hear is Marlon Kautz, Chief Financial Officer of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund and one of the people arrested this Wednesday. This is a press conference that's been called by the Atlanta Solidarity Fund to respond to um, recent police aggression and repression against the protesters who've been organizing and doing activism against the police training facility that's been dubbed Cop City. We're gonna be hearing from a number of people from different perspectives connected to that campaign. First, we're gonna hear from Ashley, a community member who was arrested on Saturday during a protest march against Cop City. Hi, my name is Ashley Dixon and I'm with Surge, showing up for racial justice. I came here today to speak about my arrest last Saturday when peacefully protesting the Atlanta Police Department's attempt to turn 300 acres of forest into a militarized tactical training compound featuring a mock city for police. All we want to do was make our voices heard about no cop city and let people know that this is not how we want the resources of our city to be spent. That we already know that the people of this city, including poor and black communities most directly impacted by police violence, have asked time and time again to divert that funding from policing and incarceration towards housing, healthcare, and mental health care, and other services that are desperately needed by our community. Our event was friendly and beautiful, 
with neighbors coming out of their house with their children, smiling and dancing to the music and joining our peaceful resistance. Police attacked without warning, attacking some people with tasers, tackling some folks to the ground, and we were all terrified. The police of Atlanta are completely out of control. Even here today, I heard that at least 30 police cars and a SWAT team are harassing and arresting peaceful protesters in the forest. It is unbelievable that a city with such rich civil rights history, peaceful protesters still today have to undergo these kinds of violent attacks by the police. I feel like it is not safe to protest in Atlanta, but we will continue to protest and fight for the right to have our voices heard. I would like to invite the people of Atlanta to visit defendtheatlantaforest.com and join us and let the police know that political repression will not stop this movement. It will only grow it. So now we're going to hear from VP, an artist and community organizer who was also arrested uh, at the protest march on Saturday. Hello, I'm VP. Um, I showed up uh, here to support the work being done of Fight Toxic Prisons and Overthrow Media. Um, when I showed up Saturday, like people had said, it was a very peaceful protest. People uh, bringing light to what was happening here. And when we actually came to an end, then I saw how the police came in aggressively just tackling people without warning. And when I went to videotape, then they, in response, tackled me. And it shows how much they, how little they value the voices of the people that are going through this struggle that they're um, compromising. They don't care about people's freedom of speech. They don't care about the abuses that they do to us. And it shows that the police do not deserve a budget in the first place when they can't abide by the own laws that they claim to enforce and instead violate that on the people they say they're supposedly sworn to protect. And it, this is, we could talk about the whole trend of police, but that's for another time. All right, thanks. Uh, my name is Marlon Kautz, and I'm a representative from the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. Uh, we're an organization um, which supports uh, social movements that are standing up for causes they believe in and tries to prevent and discourage repression of free speech protest activity. Um, obviously, when we saw um, and heard about what had happened to protesters on Saturday, we were very concerned. Um, uh, to relate some of the facts of the, um, the police operation on Saturday. Um, there was a uh, protest march called for against the Cop City Police Training Facility um, that converged in Freedom Park um, on Saturday afternoon. It marched peacefully through the Little Five Points and in Inman Park neighborhoods for about an hour. Um, and as it uh, dispersed uh, again peacefully in the park, um, Georgia State Police officers as well as Atlanta police officers surrounded the march uh, and began indiscriminately arresting people with extreme force. Uh, people were tackled to the ground, tasers were deployed, um, journalists were arrested, people who just happened to be walking in the park and had nothing to do with the demonstration were arrested. Um, it was very clear that police were not engaging in an operation to enforce the law. Um, but were rather trying to suppress uh, a protest movement that they disagreed with. Uh, the justification that officers gave on the scene for why these arrests had to be made was that protesters had been 
walking in the roadway, and protesters were charged with pedestrian and roadway as their only charge. Make no mistake, the police operation on Saturday was not about enforcing the law. It was not about keeping our communities safe. It was about repressing legitimate political speech simply because that political speech opposes the agenda that the Atlanta Police Department has, which is to build a militarized police training facility on the land behind us. Um, so with that said, I'm gonna pass it on to Devin Franklin, who is uh, the, on the Movement Policy Council with the Southern Center for Human Rights. It is a very tragic and sad poetic irony that brings us here today. As a congregation of peaceful protesters spoke up against um, the expansion and the militarization of the police state, what we have seen over the past few days is the use of police force and militarization to suppress constitutionally protected speech. I am Devin Franklin. I am Movement Policy Council with the Southern Center for Human Rights. Uh, my organization has partnered with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund and Atlanta Jail Support um, to provide representation to those people who have been arrested unjustly and unlawfully um, in the exercise of their First Amendment rights. We have been engaged in this work since the summer of, 20, since the summer of 2020. Uh, since that point in time, we have seen a pattern of action, of force, by the Atlanta Police Department to arrest and create charges um, as it applies to those persons who are engaging in the act of speech that they do not agree with. Um, we saw with the Black Lives Matter movement, we saw with the protests involving George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey. In addition to coordinating representation, for those protesters, we have rallied community support to call on the Atlanta Solicitor's Office and the Fulton County DA's Office, as well as the City of Atlanta Municipal Courts. Um, one thing that I think is very important to understand, as we saw upwards of 15 people arrested um, on Saturday, I believe there were at least five to 10 arrests today um, for charges such as pedestrian and roadway disorderly conduct in a park. <laughs> a number of those charges have historically been dismissed because the prosecutors in our jurisdiction have acknowledged and realized that the actions by city police officers are unwarranted um, and abusive. And we will uh, continue to assist and engage with Atlanta Solidarity Fund and the brave members of the protest community uh, to ensure that the expansion of the military state, uh, expansion of the police state, um, does not continue to grow forward. I want to be very clear that the actions that we have seen over the past week uh, are actions intended to serve as intimidation. They are intended to suppress uh, constitutionally protected speech, and they are not genuine efforts, as we have heard the police claim to want to engage in. These are not genuine efforts to engage persons who share different opinions. These are acts of otherization. These are acts of aggression uh, intended to quell speech. Um, and it's not anything that uh, my organization and those standing with us um, are going to stand idly by and accept. We thank you for your time.
we're going to hear from May Johnson, a neighbor in the surrounding area here. Hello. I live in the Atlanta forest and I own a home in one of the neighborhoods that we most impacted by Cop City. Today there was an interagency operation led by Atlanta police, seemingly at the behest of Brassfield and Gorey and Ryan Millsap at Black Hall Entertainment. The police raided a growing protest encampment in these woods, training SWAT rifles on environmental activists. This is an attempt to demoralize a vibrant and diverse movement that is led by local community members against the replacement of the largest urban tree canopy in the United States with the largest police training compound in the United States. The proposed site for Cop City is a historical site where human slavery and forced labor camps were used to work the land following the forced removal of Muscogee people on the Trail of Tears. This land not only is the lungs of Atlanta due to its ecological, being ecologically critical to the city's survival, it's a site of the scars of Atlanta's past with numerous unmarked graves. All of this police resource mobilization is to bulldoze it over and to construct the $90 million cop city not two years after George Floyd's summary execution by Minneapolis police catalyzed a nationwide historic uprising of 20 million people against militarized police. They are not unaware of these histories. At the last community stakeholders meeting, there's another one tonight, the APF suggested possibly reopening the forced labor camps as gardens on site and staffing them with the children who are imprisoned down the road at the adjacent juvenile jail, essentially revitalizing the Atlanta prison farm model. Today, police attacked protesters in the forest because in the past year, and especially in the past week, hundreds of community members and concerned people have come to this camp and joined together to apply pressure against this project. The police will attempt to depict this movement as a small group of hardline activists. We are not extremists. We're neighbors of the forest, residents of South Atlanta. Most importantly, we are simply intelligent people who know that the future of the world is on fire. And we are determined and willing to organize ourselves and act to defend what remains to sustain life in this city and life on this planet. This forest is a site of migratory wading birds and a place where animals make their homes. Salamanders lay their eggs. This forest is defense against flooding of all the nearby homes across historically black neighborhoods in South Atlanta and Southwest DeKalb. This forest is what prevents the urban heat island effect in Atlanta the way that it does in other cities. This is why the movement has broad popular support from locals and people across the country and world alike. This city, like this world, is only getting hotter, rent is only getting more expensive, and food and gas prices are only rising. The city has no answers for this except for a more militarized police force. But floodwaters do not abide property or jurisdiction lines, and the climate does not obey the police. You can't prop up a free society with violence alone. That is what they're attempting to do with the construction of Cop City. And if we don't want to be ruled over in this society by strong men and bullies who meet behind closed doors and who make deals to deploy tasers and tear gas in order to enforce their control over our bodies, our homes, our livelihoods, our children, and the earth, then we must resist this project and all others like it. We must resist the ongoing expansion of the police and their power. We must join together and fight for our home, this forest and the earth. People worldwide support this movement and everyone is welcome in this movement. For the last year, the movement has asked that you come to visit the Atlanta forest. Even if you can't come here, anyone can take action to pressure the stakeholders, contractors, and those with the power to stop Cop City. The fight to defend the forest is on many fronts. Please donate to the Atlanta Solidarity Fund.
finally, we'll hear from Amethyst, a uh, movement organizer. Hello. I'd like to start out with the land acknowledgement. We are currently on stolen Muscogee land, as well as multiple sites and plantations where people were enslaved. And we have mul uh, multiple prisons that are less than a mile away from here where people are still wrongfully incarcerated and kept in cages. I'm going to be sharing a statement from a person who is still in a tree, in a tree house, that they wanted to their words to be shared with everyone from one of the last remaining tree houses that the police have not destroyed in solidarity with the protection of this forest. Their words are as follows. The fight continues today in the Wilani forest of so-called Atlanta. Cops have arrested my friends while they were sitting in the parking lot of Entrenchment Creek Park, a public park. Forest defenders' treehouses have been completely destroyed. We currently have a forest defender up in a tree and under siege by cops. I am not afraid. I am angry. The police have exhibited their role in the capitalist system. The state's monopoly on physical force and the illusion of legitimacy it must uphold must be abolished. This forest does not belong only to the rich and powerful and it never will. When the people speak and their voices aren't heard, we all must act. Even when the people act to defend their lives and the life of the planet, agents of the state are deployed to enforce the decisions of the rich and powerful, decisions that are detrimental to life on earth. I write from the top of a water oak in the Wilani forest. We will continue to defend the forest from being destroyed. We're not leaving. Spoken from one of the remaining uh, people uh, defending a tree house in the Wilani forest. Thank you all for being here. Uh, that's effectively everything that we have to say today. Um, I just want to stress that it's clear that the Atlanta Police Department is hoping that through these <laughs> gestures of violence, repression, and intimidation, that this will discourage social movements, that this will discourage people from making their voices heard, from complaining about injustice, from protesting. And in fact, exactly the opposite will happen. Um, and there's a broad community of uh, organizations, neighbors, um, community groups who are dedicated to ensuring that the more this movement is oppressed, the more it grows and the stronger it becomes. Uh, thank you all for coming. I want you to respond. They, they said that you all were throwing Molotov cocktails and rocks at cops. So what's your response to that? I, I don't have any information about that. Gotcha. And, and uh, you said that the police are trying to control the narrative. Uh, why, why do you think that is and why do you think that, um, I mean, I guess, why do you continue your fight? Uh, well, so speaking for the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, mm -hmm. um, it seems clear that uh, Atlanta police have a pattern of using uh, the force that they have available to them uh, as the police um, to arrest and persecute political activists. The police obviously are in favor of trying to build Cop City. And I think they recognize that they are losing that battle politically because increasing numbers of people throughout the city are coming out against Cop City. It seems clear that the police are resorting to more and more extreme tactics of repression, even illegal tactics of repression, in an effort to suppress that movement. That's, that's my explanation of their motivation. And they pointed out that I guess the majority of the people they arrested today are not from Atlanta or not from Georgia. Um, I guess they're trying to establish that, that these are not locals. Uh, what's your response to them putting out that information? Uh, we don't have any information one way or the other, but I believe that uh, the folks who are involved in jail support um, 
can confirm that the vast majority of arrests are locals. Um, we obviously, we can't disclose specific information. It ain't only people from outside the city. I live 0.4 miles away. That's bananas. On June 2nd, Judge Altman questioned the prosecution's basis for the case and granted bond to all three defendants. He said, quote, I'm concerned about some of the same things that the defense attorney mentions about the line between legitimate free speech and crossing into illegal violent acts, paying for camping supplies and the like. I don't find it very impressive. There's not a lot of meat on the bones of the allegations that thousands of dollars are going to fund illegal activities, unquote. The National Bail Fund Network is collecting donations for the Atlanta Solidarity Fund on a temporary basis as of May 31, 2023. All funds raised will be used to support bail and legal defense funds of those being arrested and prosecuted in Atlanta. More information at bit.ly forward slash local bail funds. This has been KiteLine. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Thank you for listening. <laughs>